What's up, everybody? I'm Kyle Hamilton, All-American Safety for University of Notre Dame, and I just want to say thank you for tuning into the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back after week one. We're there. We're actually into the season now, guys. We're joined Yay. by Andy and Kieran. Um, <laughs> we've got a lot to talk about. A massive slate of games to talk about. I'm too excited. I can't even speak. Um, but yeah, lads, how are we doing? I know, Kieran, you'll be, you'll be not very good. Andy, what about yourself? Mate, I've got my UCLA jersey on. Like I just dug it out. It just I forgot I had it, actually. And then about a couple of hours ago, I was thinking... Yes, <laughs> I was thinking my, my friend, my man Kieran, he would like me to wear this, so I did. <laughs> he took it like a champ. To be fair, he took it fairly well. He did. Uh, it, he it, did. Was, it was. It was funny. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't knock the banter. To be honest, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll get into that game and dissect it later on. It'll bring us on to another little topic that we've got to bring up between me and Kieran as well that we that we mentioned a few weeks ago. Um, so where should we start? Should we start at the top or should we start with that game or where should we start? Where Let's we start there. Let's draw the listeners in with, with, <laughs> with that game. <laughs> right, everyone, lower your volume down on whatever you're listening to us on. I'm not. I'm not going to shout. I'm not going to shout. <laughs> I'm... Mate, tell us about this because obviously you were obviously quite bullish in the uh, podcast that you did with Keith, um, and we know that Thomas Robbery used to. To be on the podcast, who you know, we were having a bit of back and forth. He was hoping that you were going all in. You did, and then you got your comeuppance, aren't you? Pain. <laughs> I'm literally in Spain without the S right now. It was, <laughs> it was tough. But the the only things we need to adjust are very small things, uh, adjustments that we can make very quickly. The biggest problem I think a lot of you noticed was the linebackers were not communicating correctly. The only missed coverage we ever had the entire game came from linebackers who were supposed to be dropping back a little bit. They're just not talking enough. And obviously, as you can see, they weren't sealing gaps quick enough, which opened up Zach Charbonnet to 117 yards on only 11 carries, which is a 10.6 like yards. That's just ridiculous. And for a Chip Kelly-led team, it's not something you expect for them to be good. Um, so, yeah, it, the, the adjustments we need to make... Uh, are small, but I think with the next two games we have coming up, McNessie State and Central Michigan, I'm not going to overlook Central Michigan. That they are a team that can go for an upset. I don't think they will, but I think these two games are great tune-up games to help our defense get a little bit more in tune. Um, obviously, our O line. I don't know whether it. Look, I like Austin Deculus. I think he's great on the right side of that line, but. I think we may need someone stronger there just because that is now the blind side with Max Johnson being a left-handed quarterback. And I don't like that we had to rely on him so much. We all in, we had about 48 yards rushing the entire game. That's between two backs and, and um, our quarterback, which is, it's not good. Let's be honest. That was fucking trash. Um, <laughs> but Max Johnson, 330 yards, three touchdowns and only a single pick. And the single pick just come from him being experienced, panicking and, it didn't come from him doing that weird behind the back throw, which. Oh, yeah, that was uh, bad. Uh, what that was, was that bad. about? <laughs> like, that was <laughs> like, I'm going to put any struggle we had down to this game purely down to inexperience. He'd only played 
he'd only started two games um, before now. But in the offseason, he was going up against a formidable LSU defense in the spring games. He looked very, very good. Garrett Nussmeyer as well went against our number twos. He looked great too. I just think we need a little bit of adjustments. Um, you know, there, there, there's some adjust, adjusting to be done with the linebackers communication mainly. I think once we get past that, maybe work with the O-line a little bit. I still think we're a playoff team. I still think we're a top 10 team. Um, but let's get on to what I really liked. Kayshawn Boutte. I know Andy's going to be nodding along for this because he yeah, is yeah. fantastic. He's the only player in LSU history to have consecutive free uh, touchdown games as a receiver. Put up 148 yards last night as well. Palmer as well looked good. Didn't really have the volume, but he made some great short catches, made up for it with yards after the uh, catch. Looked fantastic as well. And obviously my front runner for the Heisman in Derek Stingley looked fantastic all game as well. They let him come down in the box. He made, uh, in the first quarter, he made a very, very crucial first down saving tackle on DTR and fantastic tackle. Mm-hmm. Wrapped up his legs, Gator rolled him. There was no way he was getting away from it. It was fantastic to watch. But I will give credit to UCLA. They look great all game. Zach Charbonnet run a fucking train on us. Uh, DTR didn't look great. I mean, I'm going to be honest. A lot of his passes... Um, that he made, it was the receivers doing all the work or they were wide open. Remember the second touchdown, I think they scored, where he just had a guy open um, in the flats. There was, you know, there was no defenders there. Eli Ricks, probably the most, probably front runner for interception of the season so far, I think, in that interception he pulled off. That was... (laughs) It's not even week two, it's the second week. Sorry, is that not a fantastic interception? (laughs) It is. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Interception of the season is the second week, but go on, mate. He jumped like nine foot in the air. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think uh, UCLA are going to be a real problem for people going forward. I I know Mm. people kind of mocked them for the Hawaii game, like, oh, look at them beating on this uh, Mountain West team, but they, sh- they showed up against the big boy yesterday. Whether you like uh, LSU or not, it, there's no denying the talent on that team. So for them to come through and persevere against the team that strong is fantastic. It looks great for them the rest of the season. Uh, I think DTR probably going to struggle against some teams that are a little bit stronger defensively. And I don't, I'm not saying we're bad defensively, but teams where the linebackers, you know, know how to use the English language and communicate with each other <laughs> to let them know what assignments they're doing. But apart from that, I, c- I can't fault UCLA. Besides that one pick, their performance was pr- pretty fucking good, I'm going to be honest with you. It was all Zach Charbonnet, though. Nine of 16 for 260 yards and three touchdowns and one pick from DTR is not fantastic numbers, especially a team like this where they should be able to pass the ball at will. They're a Pac-12 team. So I- I'm expecting more from DTR as the season goes on. I think maybe there was a little bit of rust in these first two games and this was his first game playing a real proper defense. Um, but yeah, I, look, LSU need to pick it up. Uh, I still think we're going to win a lot of games this season. I still think we're going to finish top 10. I think we could even edge into the playoffs because they're, the only things that LSU need to fix are very, very small things. And the only things that UCLA need to fix is quarterback play because their offensive line is fucking amazing. Mm. Let's make no mistake. They went out there and bullied guys like Ali Gate, who is a day two pick easily. That guy is a second round pick or even a first round pick if he progresses better this year. So I am really excited to see UCLA the rest of the season, but more so I'm excited to see if LSU can, you know, make those tweaks and come back and be the team we all know they can be. 
I don't know about you, Andy, but that was too measured. This this guy has changed. He's improved. He's, he's, he's here for his sports media takes. That's what we like. <laughs> that, that, that being said, um, on the Saturday, um, when there was about 20 seconds left on the game clock, my girlfriend can attest to this, I turned off the TV and just walked upstairs. Didn't say a fucking word. I literally, <laughs> I literally just turned it off, went to, went to bed. Didn't, didn't even say nothing. I just literally <laughs> went upstairs, threw my clothes on the floor, went to sleep. And then we didn't hear. We, we, yeah, we yeah, were going to start missing personal. I, I turned my phone off. Me. I didn't turn my phone on the next day until I'd like worked out for an hour and a half and and done skates <laughs> and hit, split my heavy bag open nearly. So, you know, I, I I'm trying to be more rational on this podcast because I feel like, you know, I'm giving too much away if I sit here and cry about it. So I'm just going to try and look at it from an objective standpoint. I I think everything I said about LSU is fair. I think I said everything about UCLA was fair, but you know we'll we'll see how this progresses in the coming weeks. Mm. Yeah, well, new man, new man for a new season, but yeah, I suppose you know we'll see how you get on when they start losing a few more games. Obviously, you've mentioned a couple of times that you think they're a top ten team. We'll kind of reintroduce our little wager that we've got going on. It's got to a flyer for me. I'm not going to lie. Put it into the winners and losers this morning. Um, I said I did say in like five losable games. This one was one of them. This one's probably the easiest one. But you know, Lucy LA have come up trumps for me. So it's packed twelve teams off me. That's all, all, almost a little bit sweeter as well. What do you think? Do you think is it, obviously you kind of come there quite you know repeating it and saying you've got quite a bit of conviction about yourself. You're not not too worried. No, still definitely there. Like, like I said, every problem we had against UCLA is very very fixable, and. They have a very, very good offensive line, but DTR was harassed all game. I don't think he threw more than two passes in a clean pocket. And that is a very good offensive line. Look how they play the run game. And I don't know if it's just their pass blocking is poor, but he was harassed. Our defensive line is scary. So I like their defense as well. They played nickel almost the whole game, which I, I thought was interesting. But you watch, that gave us so much more to capitalize on those short yardage gains like a lot of comeback routes and hooks and stuff like that it, yeah i just do do we want to tell everyone the because i don't know yeah, my yeah, forfeit yeah. yet i don't know what not really. you know your forfeit well you, go on you 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 say then you say what you want me to do when this doesn't happen if lsu <laughs> finish in the top 10 this year Lee has to turn his Twitter for an entire week into a Sam Ellinger fan account, and he's going to be tweeting out topless photos of Sam Ellinger with heart eyes, <laughs> videos of him throwing the ball with love hearts, saying this man has a cannon, pictures of him running, saying this man is definitely not a fullback. It, yeah, it's going to be war. But I just want to know what my forfeit is going to be, because I kind of have a guess once I told you the Sam Ellinger thing, but I'm hoping it's not what I think it is. What do you think it is? I don't think I've even hinted at it. To be fair, I've not really even decided yet. I've got an idea and I might ask you a little question in a minute, but go on, what do you think it is? I figured you'd make me turn my, my Twitter into a Dolphins or FSU fan account just <laughs> just to give Andy a little bit of pressure was, as well. Wasn't, wasn't some, it, it's not too far away from what I was thinking. What I was thinking is who is LSU's like, biggest rival? Is it Alabama or... Uh, probably Alabama or Arkansas. I think Arkansas is the so, biggest because we play the Golden Boot okay. game every year. Okay, so whoever you decide in the you know when the season's finished, when this happens, whenever you decide your biggest rival, you I'm going to buy you like a T-shirt or a jersey or something of that put that team, and you have to put it as your profile picture for a month. A month, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's shit. only a profile I... picture. It's not okay. like you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
I agree yeah. to that. Right. Okay. There you go. It's recorded. It's on there. No one can escape. But anyway, yeah, it should be fun. But um, yeah, we've long, long gauntlet yet to run for LSU. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see I, I about say, that. Like, like I said, I'm not, I'm not overlooking McNessie State or Central Michigan either, because that's how, like, that's how you lose games is by overlooking teams. And I think slightly we did overlook UCLA because, not to be an asshole, but it's really hard to take Chip Kelly seriously. Like he, he's, he's doing, not. He's doing better this year. He's doing much better this year. It's hard to take Chip Kelly seriously. Um, so I think a little of it was that. And then there was obviously the Ed Ogeron comments about sissy blue shirts that <laughs> inst- instantly blew up. UCLA have already made it their header and are now selling shirts with that on. <laughs> and I was actually surprised by the UCLA crowd. They managed to kind of half fill the Rose Bowl, which, you know, not a surprise. They weren't selling all their tickets. They were giving a lot of them away. But there was a big LSU presence there, and I really like that. I think a lot of our fans right now, look, we had a lot of disruption this week. The team had to, you know, drive to Houston overnight because they had to evacuate the training facilities. Now, I'm not making an excuse, but this would have been big for Louisiana. This, Mm. you know, Louisiana as well, the Raging Cajuns up against Texas put up a hell of a fight in that first half of that game. So... I think Louisiana needs a win right now. And uh, that's what we're looking to do against McNessie State in our next game. Just to say, Jameis Winston is the win that Louisiana needs right now, mate. <laughs> oh, it's becoming like a three-way war now. Isn't there we it? go. <laughs> <laughs> well, his eyes work now, so maybe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's it. That, that's the thing that we've got to watch out for, isn't it? If he does like, start playing like Florida State, Jameis, then I'm in trouble. That's the what fumbling the ball while running outside the pocket. <laughs> anyway, we spent loads of time on LSU and UCLA. Yeah, sorry, I was Let's... just trying to like be objective. <laughs> I like it. Like I said, I was surprised, and you know, it's new you. But we'll see how it lasts. But Andrew, let's come to you because um, you know, we've not had you speaking for quite a while, so that's involved. That's you all right. <laughs> oh, good man. I'm just sat here taking it all in, like uh, new Kieran. But he tried to slip into old Kieran at the end there. Just started. <laughs> Throwing in a few few insults, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, man, I'm going to cover uh, Clemson, Georgia, which like was a bit of a slog fest, wasn't it, really? Mm. I, I was just having a quick look at the at the way the odds closed before the game. And the over-under before the game closed at 51.5. So the, the 13 points that were put up in the end were <laughs> well short of that. Um, obviously, we had uh, Georgia closing as, as 2.5 dogs to... to, to coin their own name and to be honest the highlights made it look like a good watch if you're into defense but I, I then watched the more the elongated version and god it was a slog at times there was just no yardage whatsoever in this game I mean you're looking at total yardage 180 yards Clemson put up on, on the night 256 yards for Georgia it was a battle of the defenses wasn't it and and you kind of really um you really worried a bit for, for Clemson as you were going on. I mean, like the, the thing is, the Clemson schedule from now on is just a cakewalk. And, and in theory, this team should go 11-1. and one. If it's anything other than that, it'll be absolutely shocked. Um, but they, they were really shut down by a good Georgia defence, weren't they? You just can't say enough about how good some of these guys were up front. And they kind of put pressure on Uangalele. Uh, there you go. That's the only time I'm going to say that. DJU from now on. Put, put pressure on DJ the whole game. Um, couldn't get anything going in the run game. Let's just let's just shout out the run stats for, for Clemson quickly here. Lynn Dixon, 
one attempt, 10 yards. That was their lead in Russia. The next one is um, uh, Pace with four attempts for seven yards. And, and that just kind of tells the whole story, doesn't it, really? I mean, they just couldn't get the ball moving on the ground, kept going back to DJ, who threw the ball 37 times, couldn't get a completion at all. 19 completions in the end, 178 yards and uh, and an interception. Took seven sacks on the night. And that, that Georgia defence is is scary. But the one worry I've got about Georgia is point scoring as well. And not every defence they come up against is going to be as good as Clemson. You've got your Andrew Booths and co who really shut down JT Daniels as well. Held him to 135 yards. But Georgia have got something that Clemson haven't got. And that's an established run game. And we saw that in Samir White, who's... Like as Raj has been saying to us, is incredibly underrated. You look around and you you look at these top ten running backs in the next year's draft class, and, you, and Zamir White's hardly on any of them, and that's a bit of a travesty, really, because he's a hell of a player. Mm. Um, and and so yeah, in in reality, I, I just thought this game was obviously the only one, the only real game this weekend that didn't live up to expectations was this Georgia Clemson one. All the others had got tons of points close finishes, upsets. It was all there apart from this one, which the, which the kind of defences came out and showed why, you know, the majority of the players that play on defence in these two teams are going to play on Sundays in the future. And that was all and That was all you saw really from the game. So uh, DJ loads the kind of line on the Clemson side of the ball. JT Daniels wasn't bad, 22 for 30, but obviously just needs to put up a bit more yardage and take the game over a bit. So yeah, that's, that's that shout out. Kept it fairly short, I think. But, um, but yeah, Georgia going to go up in the rankings. Clemson are going to fall down in a few places, I would have thought. Yeah, it's it's one of them. The one thing that I've put down in my notes for this game is, obviously, you and I, we were saying that Alabama, looking like they might have a down year. And obviously, we'll come on to Alabama probably next. But it looks like it might be Clemson that's having this down year, not Alabama. Yeah, man. I mean, if that's the case, then then the ACC is wide open, isn't it? We didn't... Like, all the top dogs in the ACC struggled at the weekend. Uh, UNC went down... Um, Miami got absolutely thumped by uh, Alabama and then it kind of just cracks the door open to one of you like Virginia Tech teams or dare I say it a resurgent Mackenzie Milton led Florida State <laughs> University so man get me on board but to be fair whoever comes out of the ACC um, if it's not Clemson he's just going to get you know he's not even going to get anywhere near the playoffs so mm. um, we, you, for the ACC so you kind of hope Clemson muddle through a bit that's it. I've actually put as well a UNT kicking themselves after losing their game against yeah. Virginia Tech on on Friday night because that would establish like a little lead in overall record and obviously then you look at yourself, aren't you? Because you're thinking, you know, Boston College, Virginia Tech, they're probably not going to go unbeaten, so Clemson will probably still come back. But UNC, you know, still had a chance because you know their their um, schedule is not too bad apart from that Miami game that we both spoke about in the ACC preview that we did, where it's kind of like that semi final kind of game yeah. unofficially. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, Georgia, like they have now got like not too bad of a schedule. They could go unbeaten. Yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah. What do both of you think about that? Like, because that is now their biggest game out of the way. And it, it, you know, they've got Arkansas, Florida, Auburn, but they've beaten Clemson. So why not? Yeah, you shut down that Clemson offense and you can shut down anyone, really, can't you? Look at some of the talent that Clemson throwing around, like Justin Ross and Co., just all there for. Um, you know, top quality talent. And, and if they can shut them down, then who can't they shut down? I mean, obviously they've had a long time to prepare for this game and they've they've got that three games of tape on, on DJ, which probably made a hell of a lot of difference when, in the end outcome. But yeah, I mean, who who are they not going to, who are they not going to shut down if they can shut their Clemson down? So yeah, I, I agree. Could go all the way. Um, definitely a top four team for me after that showing, to be honest, and, and definitely nudging Clemson out as one of those top four guys. 
Yeah, yeah, I think I adjusted my rankings accordingly. Actually, I think I put George back up to number two and Clemson dropped to five. So, yeah. Samir like, White uh, is an animal, by the way. Like, yeah. let's make no mistake, JT Daniels was, I don't Fine. want to say struggling, but Fine, he, he was mediocre. You know, no touchdowns a pick, 135 yards, but decent completion percentage. And <laughs> Samir White could not be stopped. He, he, I know he didn't hit 100 yards, but in a game where you finish with 10 points, 74 rushing yards is fairly significant. Um, you know, and I think the lone touchdown for them was a rushing touchdown as well. No, it was a pick six. It's my six, bad. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, Georgia could be a very, very tough team. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch them if they can play Alabama this year, like, uh, you know, later on in the year, uh, SEC title game or something. That would be very interesting because that defense is crazy. And look, look, I harped all off season about how good I thought Bryce Young was going to be for Alabama. And, you know, the people who told me I was wrong are kind of eating their words a little bit. Now there you go. There's the old Kieran for you, Andy. But this, <laughs> this, this Georgia defense is astounding. It looked absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's it's just it, one of those things that you just hope they can stay consistent throughout the season because I don't think that offense is going to put up a ton of points either. Like you mentioned, those Florida Arkansas games and stuff like that, and and I think it's going it's going to be a season to bet the under wherever Georgia are playing. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Just they're going to game manage the fuck out of it and put up a limited amount of points enough to win the game, sort of thing. We might get to the end of the season with Georgia. You know, if they like, obviously the games that I mentioned, Florida, Auburn, Arkansas, they're the kind of toughest SEC games I've got for them to, you know, after beating Clemson, you're thinking, can they go unbeaten? The biggest what if might be if George Pickens was playing all season because that would yeah. have made a heck of a difference. I think the biggest what if for Georgia is uh, if they don't choke in the playoffs for once. That would be incredible because they, they, sh- they share the, you know, they share a logo with Green Bay and they share the exact same problem. Whenever they get really close to the big game, they just can't get it done. But with a defense like this, they might be able to make it to the national championship this year as a, you know, number one or two ranked team. Mm. Yeah, that defensive line. Looking really good, Adam Adamson. One, one for, you know, one who's coming off um, off people's Twitter feeds now, and he's not really had a great deal of experience beforehand, but now seems to be sneaking up there into a lot of tweets on the weekend I saw anyway. So yeah, one to watch for sure. Um, let's start then with Alabama, or let's go next to Alabama. Should I say? I know you want to kind of mention Bryce Young, Kieran, but um, you know this whole team was really, really dominant, and it just spoke to you know how. Just how how like comfortable he looked is how like well oiled this machine is because Bryce Young, obviously a freshman quarterback coming in first game first proper game, and he just looks really poised. He just looked like experienced beyond his years, like calling protections, moving things around. He was keeping his eyes down the field even though the pocket was falling down and things like that. He just looked absolutely perfect, you know. And you think him. Back to a couple of years ago, obviously, when Trevor Lawrence was a freshman and things like that, and people were talking, you know, and we've been talking about Trevor Lawrence for years, obviously, and things like that. But this, I thought, was a Trevor Lawrence-esque performance from Bryce Young. I thought this was on that level. I thought it was, you know, superb. And I was just really surprised with how, like like I say, how poised he was and how in control of the whole game and the whole offense he looked. It was really, really impressive for such a young guy. Um, Yeah, and there's a really, obviously, he's Heisman favourite now, and... He must have, I didn't really see the odds. Andy, maybe you've got the odds, the, what he jumped up from and to. You don't know, do you? Off the top of oh, your head. Not off the top of my head, mate, sorry. Head. No, no, it's fine. I, I just wondered because it's not something I take a great deal of interest in, but I know you do. But yeah, he's, he wasn't 
right up there in the, in the Heisman favourites from what I remember anyway. And he's now up there as number one. And I think it's a pretty decent gap, isn't it? To the second person. But like I said, like I said in the group chat earlier on today, like this team is an absolute juggernaut. It's incredible how they lose so much talent to the NFL every single year. And they're still like this. And it's making, like say, me... Um, just like a mug because I was writing them off a little bit, you know, <laughs> towards the, you know, in the, the sort of towards the start of the season, I was, you know, maybe saying they're going to have a down year, but it's just not going to happen. And, you know, they won every game fairly comfortably last year. There was like maybe one or two games where they got into a bit of a shootout and it was a bit touch and go. But like this was a number 14th team as well. It ranked before and it wasn't some cupcake opening like we do accuse Alabama of having. You know, it's away in Miami, although, you know, um, not too far to travel, but still, you've got to go there. It's on the road. And, you know, they they steamrolled them, as you, as you kind of said. I can't remember what you said, thumped it earlier, didn't you? But, you know, and we're, we're thinking about this wide receiver core, and they take Jamison Williams from, was it Ohio State, wasn't it, where he transferred from? John Mechie, I know you guys were a little bit down on John Mechie on the wide receiver pod, but they don't look a bad duo at all. I'm not, you know, maybe not from an NFL standpoint, from the things that you were saying, but... You know, they're going to do the business this year and thinking how many wide receivers they're losing. It just goes back to my earlier point about how they just, this talent factory at almost every position because it's important positions that they lose and they just come out and do it every single year. Nick Saban, I just think everyone's waiting for him to retire, aren't they, before they get bad again. But they'll probably get someone else who will do just as good a job. I guess from a Miami point of view, I guess, like you say, the positives are that they don't have to play Alabama again or no one even of that ilk and that sort of level. And their ACC schedule isn't that bad, like we said before. But saying that, I was just looking at their schedule before we came on. They've got Michigan State in a couple of weeks. And after we were writing about them in our winners column um, earlier on today, about after they uh, beat Northwestern, I, again, was looking pretty silly in that one um, because I was giving Northwestern the chops and kind of writing off Michigan State. But that maybe looks a bit of a tougher game. But, you know, if they're going into the rest of their schedule, they've lost one game against Alabama, maybe it's not going to hurt them from a ranking's point of view too much. But um, yeah, they, they, they'll be glad to get out of this one uh, and and out of that one uh, without, you know, being, they weren't embarrassed. Obviously, they were beaten like everyone else get beaten by, by Alabama, to be honest with you. Um, the other thing that I wanted to bring up really was the targeting call on, on Bubba Bolden. I didn't think that, I thought it was a bit harsh. I don't know what everyone else's it's, thoughts was. Yeah, it's getting a bit silly, isn't it? I mean, like he just drove him into the ground, didn't he? That's all he did, to be honest. That finished off the finished off the play sort of thing. Yeah, I, I don't really like it. I mean, it, to be honest, obviously Miami with Bubba Bolden's a lot, lot better. Yeah. It wasn't going to make a difference in the in the in the game. It was just uh, took away from the spectacle of it a bit, didn't it? And um, yeah, it's a shame to lose him. So this probably, probably their best defender. It just took, like I say, just took away from the game a little bit. It took away from the potential to be for it to be a bit closer. And I thought it was a bit of a shame because I didn't think it was a really egregious one. I thought he was just aggressive, and that's what you want your defensive backs to be. To be honest, I think college football refs don't look at context enough as well when it comes to like the lead up to a tackle. Like it wasn't a bad tackle at all. It shouldn't have been a targeting call either. That just sucks that you know. It, it, it got called and I think the refs just need to be a little more cognizant of what's happening directly before the play rather than just focusing on how the tackle lands because it clearly, uh, you know, he didn't, it wasn't intentional targeting like we sometimes see where guys just, you know, when UCF laid a massive hit on Joe Burrow a couple of years ago, it was very clearly like intentional. Mm. Um, yeah, it just sucks. But like I said, the, you know, I might catch some flack for this off of, you know, like Tua Truthers or Mac Jones Truthers, but I think Bryce Young's looking to be the most capable and impressive quarterback to come out of Alabama in a few years. And like I said before the season, I was like, this guy hasn't got a million dollars in NIL deals for nothing. You know, he's not Quinn Ewers. So 
he looked, yeah, he 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 looked as good as advertised, maybe even better. I didn't expect him to put up more than 300 yards through the air, but he did. And the four touchdowns is absolutely impressive. And as you can see, the way he moves, you know, he didn't take off on any rushes like I expected him to. But man, his pocket awareness and his agility, the way he his footwork, he looks like an NFL quarterback already. It's ridiculous how good this kid is for his first ever start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is it. This is exactly it. He was such a high, such a high level performance. And there was times when he could have run, and he does offer that athleticism, but he didn't. He, he remained his, he, you know, kept his eyes on field, stayed on line scrimmage, and found a pass. And very. Just, very disciplined. So well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Really, Which really I know good. we expect from a Nick Saban team. He kind of runs it like an NFL team in terms of discipline, doesn't let freshmen speak to the media and all this sort of thing. But just the awareness he had was just fantastic. And the way he was, he was willing to push the ball down the field. And like you said, there were opportunities where he could have run, but he doesn't, he don't want to risk getting hit and then put his team in a position where they're starting Tyson or something like that. So you know, I'm not dissing on Tyson. He, he's at Alabama. He's clearly a very capable football player. But we saw what happened when Mac Jones come in for tour. Some guys clearly aren't ready yet. So, yeah, just, just very, very smart heads up play. And I think this season is going to be fantastic just to watch Bryce Young play. And as an LSU fan, it's obviously tough to give Alabama this much credit being, you know, the history we have. But, you know, Bryce Young is an incredible, incredible talent. I know he came out of matter day and, you know, you say what you want about that school producing USC quarterbacks. And it's kind of a bus factory um, for guys who, you know, peaked in high school, but you know, I I can't fault him. The kids won the best quarterbacks in college football right now already. Yeah. I mean, yeah. After that performance, I mean, it is very, very small sample size, but like I said, it was against the number 14 team. So yeah, they're um, not a cupcake team. This wasn't yeah. a gimme game like we expect from most Power 5 teams where they, you know, they pay like an FCS school to come and get the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> it, it was a, an amazing, amazing performance against a very capable team in, in Miami. Yeah, definitely. One, one to watch moving forward um, and see if he can keep it up. I mean, obviously, they do have a cupcake game next week against Mercer and then they've got Florida. So, you know, in a couple of weeks against Florida, if he does the same, then we may be looking at the next phase of college football. That's that's the way I'm looking at it myself personally. I don't know about you guys. I can get on board with that for sure. Absolutely insane. I, I won't go into all the expertise uh, again, but yeah, fantastic player. It just makes it a bit scary as well for college football fans if Alabama then becomes a quarterback factory as well as everything else because they've not exactly produced quarterbacks. But now we're looking at three first rounders in the next. Well, it'd be what four or five years in that span yeah. when by the time he comes out. So yeah, kind of scary if they kind of do that as well, but. Yeah, we digress anyway. So should we move on to another top quarterback who had a bit of a scare on the weekend and talk about Oklahoma? Yeah, because it, man. this was not what Spencer Rattler wanted, was it really? <laughs> <laughs> Kieran's celebrating already, but you know, we expected Oklahoma to just come out and we expected them to just bully Tulane, right? And they just, they just weren't there for the bullying. They weren't like they weren't a pushover at all. Obviously, it ended up 40 to 35. And, you know, Tulane had a bit of a comeback in the, the fourth quarter, scoring 13 points. And people on the Twittersphere were excited. You know, people <laughs> were thinking this was going to happen, right? What was he doing? Because he just threw the ball into trouble, triple coverage. He just wasn't looking himself. Was he getting a bit head up in the moment? Or what was going his, on? His head's too big. He can't scan the field at a correct speed. 
it's just arrogance for me, isn't it? Like, I mean, some of the plays were just kind of like, oh, it's fine. I'll just chuck this up against the, against a weaker defense and, and, you know, my guy's going to come down with the ball. And it was just, it, I don't know. It's difficult because when you look at his stat line again, this is, shout out that guy who tried to argue with the other week here and said that stats are more important than film because if this guy came along and, and read the 30 for 39 for 304 yards, he'd probably be thinking nothing wrong whatsoever. But mm. when you watched it, there was passes sailing. It was kind of a bit panicky back in the pocket, wasn't it? So, yeah, not the, not the first overall pick that we've all kind of, anointed Spencer Rattler mm. for sure so man I'm interested to see how it goes because this was their cupcake to open the season wasn't it really I mean you you can't deny that whatsoever and I think I mean again they, they've not got a difficult schedule coming up I think it's is it West Carolina they've got next week and then yeah. Nebraska and West Virginia and you've kind of got that Texas game circled on in um, October as the was the only game really in the first five or six it's going to test them but Man, he didn't look great against a two-lane team. And if you ask me who the better quarterback was on the day, it was Michael Pratt all day long. What a performance from the lad against that Oklahoma defence. So, yeah, yeah re- really unlucky that they didn't come up with the winter lane. Yeah, Kieran, what do you think? What, what do you think went wrong with Spencer Rattler? What do you think? Exactly what Andy said. It's arrogance. Since he's been, what, 12 years old, he's been told he's an NFL quarterback. He can make mm. every throw on the field. And this is just... A, it might be a wake-up call for him to be like, oh, shit, I can't make every throw on the field. I'm not as good as I say. And I do think Oklahoma, a little bit, were overlooking Tulane. And that's mm. how you, that's how you lose college football games. Look at Washington. They clearly overlooked Montana and got, you know, it wasn't like a convincing drubbing or anything, but they lost to a fucking FCS team. That's a huge, yeah, that's a huge disparity, though, between those two schools. Like you say, FCS versus, like, one of the best teams in the Pac-12. That's huge. What, Tulane? See, Conference USA or something about? You know, they, they're the bottom of the rung in terms of FBS football. It's not, hmm. they're not a powerhouse school by any means. And I think, you know, they were also carrying Louisiana Louisiana on their back a little bit. They were supposed to play in New Orleans, but they had to change because of the hurricane. Yeah. What a performance from these guys. It's just fantastic. And like Andy said, Pratt was 100% the, the, the better quarterback. And you know, bringing it back to, you know, that guy who argued that you don't need to watch film, you can only look at stats. Well, first of all, he's a Steelers fan, so he can give his fucking head a wobble. But it, <laughs> Here he comes. It's, yeah, sorry. I'm back. No, but like... Hey, I that's think, my line when you, when you win that bet, right? <clears throat> yep. Um, <laughs> I think I, I think Andy literally hit, hit the nail on the head there. It was purely arrogance. And because of that arrogance, Spencer Rattler has got... An, uphill battle to maybe make it back into Heisman contention. Same, you know, maybe not the same mountains to overcome that Sam Howell has to do, but now when we're looking at the Heisman race, guys who weren't talked about, you know, guys who were like fringe first round picks at the beginning of the season, guys who were talked about as good, but not Heisman level. Now it's like Bryce Young and Desmond Ritter who are looking like Heisman candidate players and, and guys like Sam Howe and Spencer Rattler are looking like they really fell off and I know it's one game but you know I love to re- overreact so <laughs> Spencer Rattler's getting picked in the seventh round <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing that stood out to me was I mean we talked about it myself and Raj on our running back podcast that I was not rating Kennedy Brooks and I rated Eric Gray very very highly and is Lincoln Riley going to fall into the same trap that they did in Tennessee and just give all the, the running to the other guy, not Eric Gray? Because 9 to 14 split in carries just doesn't seem like the right ratio to me at all. Um, bit of a bizarre one. I know that he's obviously transferred, he's probably got to win the job and things like that, but he's miles more talented. 
giving the ball and think good things will happen. I know that Oakland won this game and we shouldn't maybe overreact too much because there was teams, as you mentioned, Washington, a couple of others as well, who did succumb to shocks. But um, yeah, some some work to be going on in uh, in Norman for Oklahoma, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And, and you kind of talked about Eric Gray. I mean, third down efficiency at three for 12 for Oklahoma. And that's a lot of the time they're bringing Kennedy Brooks in to kind of pick up those last couple of yards and it didn't always come off. So yeah, hopefully he gets more playing time because he's a hell of a talented guy and, and we all kind of got him tipped as second round sort of running back, well, like I have anyway. So mm. hopefully he gets on the field a bit more. And um, yeah, and also just to shout out Ohio State's running back room, I don't know whether we're going to look at the, the way the Buckeyes played, but they kind of went with um, kind of committee approach and that was a lot different. I thought Master Teague was going to come out and get run into the ground before letting the, the kind of new guy, Travion Henderson, come through. But no, what straight out and Henderson played a fair bit. The other freshman did as well, and and T kind of took a backseat role. So really interesting to see how these running backs are being used in their kind of freshman year now. Mm. Yeah, it it's kind of it feels ages ago, doesn't it, since Ohio State actually played um, right back before the weekend even started. But I guess what I've got them listed as in my notes is there was a few business like performances. You know, just getting the job done, not spectacular. Ohio State, Cincinnati, Florida, Texas A&M, Iowa, who have got the teams written down here as just getting the job done, kind of getting your season started in the right way. No particular drama surrounding these. Like, we've not really heard anything about it. I mean, a couple of these teams, Texas A&M and Iowa, run really comfortably. And I think, obviously, we included um, Indiana, didn't we, in our losers column earlier today. But that's kind of how you want to start the season, right? You just want to get the first one out of the way. You know, you've got a couple of tricky games in there, especially Minnesota, because Mohamed Ibrahim, who's unfortunately out of the season now, was running really, really well in that game and causing Ohio State a few problems before he got injured. But yeah, just kind of wanted to mention really the business-like teams that did that because we've got a couple, like you say, Oregon, Oklahoma, who um, kind of had a few scares that didn't, and then a couple like I said before that's come to, to shocks really. Yeah, and, and on that kind of note, I was just going to quickly compare the two new quarterbacks in Texas. Um, obviously, Hudson Card had a pretty solid debut, I thought, 14 of 21, uh, 66%, 224 and two, in, uh, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. I thought Hudson Card played really well. And then you look at the, the kind of way that um, Texas A&M kind of played. I thought that obviously you say that there was a business, they played very business-like, but the quarterback situation there is still up for grabs in my mind after after that. I've obviously been a um, competition all throughout the uh, uh, off-season and when I was kind of looking for, for the, the A&M result the next morning, I was hoping that Haynes King had kind of grasped the role mm. and run away with it and threw three picks and they weren't that pretty either, really. No. So, I wonder if uh, Haynes King, I don't think he's going to, you know, get dropped or anything like that in the next couple of games. But, I, you know, uh, I do wonder if um, Zach Calzada's just sat behind him thinking, I'm still going to get a shot at this this gig this year. Uh, and, uh, you know, so all praise to Hudson Card. And, and that was the, the best of the two Texas quarterbacks this weekend, I think. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, Calzada's definitely going to think that um, he's on a short, well, the um, Haynes King is on a short leash, I mean, sorry. And, you know, like I say, he's got... A chance, I guess, talking about Texas football, we've got a shout out Bijan Robinson, right? Because yeah. he was the Texas Longhorns offense pretty much, wasn't he? Like, he was an absolute beast. Like, I know we're, we're kind of mainly been concentrating in summer or a lot of draft sort of stuff, so he's not really been mentioned too much by him. But he's another one who we'll be talking about next year for sure. Like, he would just look like, say, I mean, we said about Bryson being an NFL quarterback. Bijan Robinson was reminding me of what we were talking about with Leonard Fournette the other year when he's just like, can he just be in the NFL next year? Because he's yeah. ready, you know, he's absolutely ready. 103 yards, 20 carries and a touchdown. 
um, on the ground. And I think he got a receiving touchdown as well. Didn't he? I think that was the first. Yeah, after me. But yeah, like just completely dominant. The guy's an absolute beast, isn't he? So yeah, it's a shame that he's not um, not going to be an NFL eligible this year. But for me, he's already the, clearly the best back in college football by a long way. I don't think it's even close, to be honest. So, so you put him with Bryce, uh, Brees Hall, sorry. Yeah, easily, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, easily. I just love him. I think he's just dominant the way he kind of puts his feet in the dirt and changes direction. And, and for such a kind of uh, huge guy that he mm. just does it so efficiently. So, yeah, uh, all in on Bijan Robinson. Yeah, definitely plant your flag nice and early for that one. Um, anything else anyone else wants to mention before we kind of move on to, to looking forward to next week? Uh, I'm going to mention two things. First, the impact of the transfer portal. We've mentioned yes. a couple of games that were kind of Transfer portal players came in and absolutely smashed it. Jameson Williams for Alabama and um, Chardonnay, 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 Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Some, <laughs> fucking, it, got my head with his box of wine joke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, they came in and absolutely uh, smashed it as well. And that leads me nicely on to, to Florida State, really, who um, I'm just going to talk about, obviously, my, my team. And, mm. and when I woke up this morning, I, it was a, a full range of emotions watching back the, the full game highlights. I was going from like the opening quarter where we were we were winning and then we went down by three scores and then Mackenzie Milton came into the game and just looked like a different different proposition really and just took it over and you know took took Notre Dame to overtime and I think you know I just think if we made the change a little bit earlier we'd have we'd have won that no problem whatsoever no disrespect to Jordan Travis who I do really like as he seems like a really efficient leader on of, of this team and a lot of kind of the guys seem to to center around him but I mean he, he didn't even do his normal run game either he only got nine yards on, on 12 12 carries and and nine completions 130 yards couple of nice touchdown passes to be fair but three interceptions really cost us you put Milton in and it was just so pleasant to watch a quarterback being accurate and <laughs> feels crazy saying that but like the, the difference it made that you could just see these this this wide receiver cause really really underrated for me and like Keyshawn Helton was like wide open it was getting hit and before it was sailing over his head you know, you're looking at um, a couple of the other guys like Jackie Douglas, a freshman, 80 yards at a touchdown. I know that was mainly for Travis's touchdown bomb, but these guys were kind of getting open for him straight away. And I think Milton's earned the job um, going forward. I, I, I reckon that, that, I think personally, they're going to continue to swap them in and out game situation. Whereas if it's a team that's weak against the run, then Travis will feature a lot more. But, you know, Mackenzie Milton's back, guys, and, and what a way to do it. Um, it feels weird being so please of a, of a defeat <laughs> but I, I'm just buzzing because I thought we were just going to get smashed to be honest I was just ready to embrace it but uh done us proud and, and let's, let's shout out Notre Dame as well um Jack Cohen's not a mobile quarterback whatsoever but he was clinical yesterday putting uh, balls into catchable positions for for Michael Mayer who's mm. you know next first round tight end absolutely phenomenal talent um shame that he can't come out this year either because he already looks ready and um and shout out to um Kevin Austin who's literally barely caught a, a catch in his first two seasons in the league came in and absolutely put on a terrific show against our secondary so he's got a good um, a good future ahead of him in the league as well I reckon from that showing so yeah great game what a game to say for the Sunday night and um, mm. definitely lived up to its billing um, fair play Florida State though we're going to do some damage this year we're definitely going to play in a bowl game and I'm here for it I was going to say it almost seems like a new you because sometimes when we talk about Florida State, it's not that positive. But it's nice to hear so positive about Florida State. It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because like the whole off season, the tweets have been coming out of camp from like the beat writers saying 
like Mike Norvell can coach and like coach in a fantastic way. We've we've pillared the you know pilfered the transfer port for every player we could get, and like it worked because the defensive front was just absolutely dominant. I was like sat there looking and uh, and I was just thinking Jermaine Johnson, you look fantastic. He's senior transfer from Georgia, and I was just thinking this guy is like completely changed the way that that, that this defense looks and gets to the passer and just kind of create that pressure to and in the fourth quarter with the with the crowd on their feet going and the, the pass rush getting home coming back from freeze course to tie it up absolutely phenomenal man so yeah shout out FSU uh I, I don't think we're gonna do anything crazy like get into the top 25 by the end of the year but you know foundations are definitely there I found it interesting that you said you don't think Milton will start, though, because you think you've obviously got Jacksonville State next week. You think that would be an ideal layup game to kind of let him get a full 60 minutes underneath him and, and kind of, you know, turn someone over, basically, before you go into the ACC schedule. What, what's your kind of thinking behind that, then? That the, is it I just, just wonder, a matchup? Yeah, and I just wonder if his health is all there. Like, I'm, I'm not, he was really efficient when he got on, but... They also got taken to some context that that Notre Dame defense had been like rushing the passer for 45 minutes or whatever so far, and thus you know that, that they weren't getting home as efficiently as they were to Travis at the start of the game. And and I just know that Milton's literally had one week of full practice this off season, and that's like you know he's been throwing the ball around, and that but apparently he's been carrying a foot injury. Jordan Travis has been taking the majority of snaps, and I think Mike Norvell's going to stay loyal for. At least a couple of weeks. I think I think it'll be a lot closer to 50-50 split, but I think Travis is going to get the start of games. Mm. Yeah, Kieran, it's great to see Mackenzie Milton back, isn't it? After such a horrendous injury. What was was a couple of years ago now, actually, wasn't it? It was quite a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah when he was at UCF. It mm. was it was tough to watch. It was one of those injuries where you're like, Oh, this this guy looks like he's been robbed of his career, but coming mm. out yesterday, he looked absolutely fantastic. I mean, in that fourth quarter, Florida State put up 18 points. Uh, uh, Notre Dame put up none their defence really turned out their offence a switch went when Mackenzie Milton came on honestly it looked like and they played absolutely lights out I shame the way OT ended because I feel like the Florida State came played that game I'm not going to be that prick who's like oh they deserve to win because they didn't they scored less points but <laughs> in terms of how well they were playing it's a shame they couldn't get anything going in overtime because this Florida State team is fantastic and I know me and Andy were always you know we have our jabs in WhatsApp about LSU being shit and FSU being irrelevant but I think this is a really good foundation for FSU to build on Notre Dame are a very very tough team and when you can put up 18 points against them in the fourth quarter and drag them into a scrappy overtime game that's incredible and I think Florida State going forward you know a bowl game looks very lightly and I don't actually think top 25 is out of the question because if you play how you played in this game against some of your ACC opponents I see you taking down a good majority of them yeah man that's that's the faith we like but next week what's going to happen is we're going to go two scores up against Jacksonville State and then they're going to tie the game and we're going to win on the field goal so (laughs) you'll you'll see me back next week (laughs) do you think they maybe start um, Travis in the first half and Milton in the second half next game just to sort of you know I know it's hard to judge you know if a guy starts the game against a fresh defence and then a guy comes in against a slightly gassed defence and that might not be the best way to, to gauge yeah. someone but do you think that would be a good way for them to sort of just see who's performing a little bit better out there? Yeah definitely and I'd like to see Milton starting fairly soon to be honest I just think I think Travis has got it but I it's just his passing is so inconsistent. And we saw the two Kyle Hamilton picked yesterday, phenomenal player, shout out him as well. But 
they were just so preventable. Just put the ball out of play if you're going to do that, mate. You're just throwing it up. And both times it was it was throwing to, to Sean Corbin, who's our running back. And it was on like deep kind of wheel routes, 20, 30 yards downfield. And Hamilton's got all day to come across and make those plays. So, yeah, like it's just decision making for him. I think that the only thing, the only reason I'm like, refrain from going forward on, on Milton as well as the injury thing I mentioned is I just think Mike Norvell's a really loyal guy and I think he's going to stick by Travis and just think this could be my quarterback for another season or two after this and, and Milton's like last year of eligibility so I think there's that that kind of development phase that, to think about as well but man like what a story for, for Milton he's come back he could very well be the, the starter in, in week three if, if he if it goes to plan and, and he can come out and, and have a hell of a year if he can lift us into that top 25. Yeah, that's it. And I guess that is another thing to take into, into consideration, sorry, that like John Travis is going to be around for another couple of years yet, isn't he? So, yeah, he's got to be brought on as well. It can't be... I think we talked about it in the preseason, didn't we, about you can't just shelve a quarterback for a year and then bring him back after having McKenzie yeah. Milton for a year. So, yeah. It's a confidence destroyer as well. We know the quarterback game is... A lot of it is confidence and, you know, overconfidence can lead to a Spencer Rattler-type performance, but under... Um, confidence can lead to like a Josh Rosen type performance like he has had in the NFL and like how some guys have been after they've benched. So he's walking a very, very fine line with Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton. Eve, you know, he could even benefit from running a two quarterback system, get Mackenzie Milton in for things that he's good for. And then maybe if they're like looking to run some options and some RPOs, get Jordan Travis in there. I think there's a very good way to do that, but then you have to balance it with, you know, is this going to kill Travis's confidence? Is Milton O going to be okay with just taking a few snaps? Cause he is going to be rusty. I know he looked good, but that, you know, he only threw seven passes. So, you know, there's a fine line to walk here to see if they can, you know, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, Lee, we, we went, we, we digressed and got five minutes to, to sum up next week. It's fine. I, I actually forgot all about FSU, so apologies for me because I, I wanted to move us on a little bit too quick because I know you wanted to talk about that game. So, that's yeah, right. that's my bad. Um, But, yeah, I mean, we've got, obviously, a nice weekend slate. Weekend only because we were we were panicking a little bit when we were writing out all those TV games throughout the whole week <laughs> from Wednesday onwards. Yeah. We've got a nice weekend only slate. So what are you guys looking forward to? Andy, I'll come to you first. What sort of games are you looking forward to uh, in week two? I were... Uh, versus Iowa State. That's the one I'm, I'm most hyped for, but I'm also very hyped for Oregon, Ohio State as well. It's a couple of real, like, you know, top 25 matchups there. Could be a bit of a barnstormer in the um, Iowa game as well. Obviously, the uh, Hawkeyes absolutely battered Indiana uh, at the weekend and, and uh, Iowa State struggled. I've, I've completely forgotten who they played, but they struggled past a fairly average opponent. Um, and so... There's lots to play for here, really. Everyone's kind of been hamming up Ohio's, uh, so Iowa State all uh, all off season. I've seen them ranked in the top four before the season in some places. So mm. that's a bit rich, but we we've got them in our top ten, and so you know that they could be unseated by their uh, state rival here. So yeah, very excited for that. And um, and the Oregon game, yeah, I I don't think Oregon. You you might correct me. I don't think Oregon played particularly well at the weekend. Um, and Ohio State have got a real chance to come out and make a proper statement win, really. So, yeah, um, they've opened 14-point uh, favourites Ohio State. So, interesting to think. Do you think they'll cover that, Lee? Are they, are they going to, you know, put the 14-point win up? I would want to see the status of Kayvon Thibodeau's foot before <laughs> saying whether that's the case. If he's not out there, then that's obviously a massive blow for Oregon. Obviously, I've been talking up Oregon's D the whole summer. 
But obviously a massive part of that is potentially, you know, a top three player in college football right now. So, yeah, it, it's one of them where it's kind of scary for Oregon's season as a whole, not just this Oregon, not, not this Ohio State game, sorry, because, you know, coming up against one of the best teams in college football, you're probably still writing that off. Even though you're a big program at Oregon, you're probably still writing it off as a loss. But if Thibodeau's not out there, then, yeah, that could, it could get a bit silly. Yeah, Kieran, any, any games for, from you, mate, that you hope for? Um LSU with a cakewalk. <laughs> uh, this might be be a little bit of a strange game, but um, Liberty versus Troy, actually, I'm excited for because, you know, I'm not going to be that guy who's going to, you know, I'm not going to be as excited for Malik Willis as maybe Raj's because I, th- I think Raj is overhyping him a little bit. Like, I see where he's coming from. He's an absolutely phenomenal athlete and a great quarterback. But seeing him play, you know, a little bit more fair competition will actually be a lot of fun. Um just excited to see uh, Malik Willis get out there. And obviously, McNessie State versus LSU next week will be a lot of fun. It's an aperitif to the, pardon my French, to the Bengals game uh, on Sunday. So, you know, I I just love football. And, and the fact that it's back now, it just, oh, this time of year is just so magical. You can fuck Christmas. I, I like this. <laughs> I like September. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, mate. I've got three, three games that I quickly want to shout out. Um, one... Um, which will be a future SEC matchup, Arkansas versus Texas, a bit of a local derby as well. Um, you know, this is one of the teams that I've kind of shouted out as in, as in Arkansas as probably not being a massive fan of Texas coming into the SEC because they're going to be right in their recruiting centre. Um, so they'll probably want to put the, the the you know the brakes off um, to, on on tenant. Uh, oh god, they're probably going to oh my god, they're probably going to want to put the brakes on Texas's season. They'll get edited out. <laughs> never mind. Uh, they're probably going to want to beat Texas pretty badly because obviously they're going to come into this game. And I want to put a marker down for when Texas do arrive in the SEC. Obviously, we've now got playmakers on both sides of the ball. We've not mentioned Arkansas's wide receivers. We mentioned them quite a lot in the summer. And obviously, we've got uh, Bijan Robinson obviously coming over there and, and Texas after a nice win against a ranked opponent, as we mentioned before. Um, obviously, we've got uh, a comeback game, hopefully, for Washington against Michigan. Michigan looks pretty decent in their opener. As we mentioned before, Washington didn't also, against Montana. It's also Michigan. Hmm? It's also Michigan. Like not to be an asshole, but it's Michigan. What am I saying? No, no, I no, I'm saying they're bad. Oh, I see. I thought you were picking me up on like I, the way no, I was saying I, it. No, I, I, no, I'm just saying <laughs> Mi- Michigan fumble the bag every time they're yes. expected to have a good game. They just yeah, yeah, yeah. they're terrible. That's... And it's all because of that terrible coach, Harbaugh, yeah. and his really weird fucking pleated trousers that he wears. I'm just... The fact that he got extended. Jesus Christ. That was me being paranoid because I just messed up that whole <laughs> no, Texas thing no, and I thought you were picking me Anyway. I was just bashing Michigan. No, yeah, I can get on board with that. Um, yeah, <laughs> obviously Washington, I want to come back and want to put on a bit of a show as well. And then one for the Night Owls, which we'll be writing about in our TV preview, is the Holy War BYU... Uh, we're welcoming Utah as well. It's on at 3.30 in the morning for anyone who wants to set an alarm <laughs> on, uh, on, I think it's on BT Sport, one of the BT Sport channels. Uh, but a team, two teams that really hate each other. So obviously a game that um, should, you know, get some pulsage racing and, and will be a really good game. Um, probably one to watch on the highlights on the ESPN player, um, which we might mention in a minute as well. But um, yeah, it's one to, one, to, one to watch out for on your Sunday morning as you're waiting for the NFL to start in the evening. But lads... Really good podcast. I really enjoyed that. Apart from messing that up at the end and making an absolute storm out of a teacup. <laughs> making you paranoid. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Really did. Um, but yes, um, yeah, we'll be back. Obviously, we've got a couple of things coming up. We've got regular content. Hopefully, you guys have seen it. 
um, content coming out most days now. So this this podcast will be dropping on a Tuesday. We've got an article from a new writer, Jake, which will be coming out. It's all about Boston College and Phil Djokovic. That should be out by the time you're hearing this. On Wednesday, we're going to have some more scouting notes from Keith, which will be fantastic as well. Really enjoyed the first one. Um, He'll have a bigger game to talk about, hopefully, this, this week as well. And then obviously towards the weekend, as we're kind of welcoming the college football weekend, we're going to have TV previews for everything that's on UK TV legally. And then um, we've got uh, the weekend college football action. So chaps, um, Kieran, tell us what you're going to be doing. Um, Maybe mention about um, your new Sunday night project that will be coming out in people's ears on Mondays. Yes, fresh for the UK listeners. We will be the first UK-based I guess, football outfit, to be releasing wrap-ups of the biggest UK primetime games. They will be out at 6 or 7 a.m., depending on how things go that evening, every single Monday morning for the entire NFL season. This will be the first place to get your news, the first place to get your breakdowns. These will be in your podcast feeds, 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning, so you can hear my beautiful, silky voice on your way to work every single morning. Every, every Monday, every, every Monday until Monday. the Super Bowl. <laughs> Fantastic. Can't wait. Can't wait for it. And Andy, um, obviously, just point out whatever you've been doing or what you're going to do. Just, just the, the, keeping the mission running with you, Arna, mate. We, we're doing our winners and losers stuff. We're doing the uh, preview matches every week. Um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll dip in and write the feature piece next week after Jake's wowed us all of his Boston College stuff um, and have a good look into to Mackenzie Milton. Maybe that'll be... Uh, a way to go um, but yeah also looking at Dolphin stuff on, on the Dolphin UK side of things first game obviously at the weekend and it's a big one against Kieran's New England Patriots because of course Kieran supports the Patriots and LSU could you be any more obnoxious mate <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing is though and I, I you know I think Andy realises it because he, he's, he picked up on it a little bit last year I am a massive fucking fan of this Dolphins team I really like what Brian Flores has done and you know even you poo-pooed me before the season when I said top eight defense. Turns out I was wrong. It was top five, but you know, you know, yeah. just yeah. that good. But yeah, I really like what Miami's done with this team and it's very, very, very fun team. So I look forward to that game because it's going to be an absolute shootout. I'm here for it, mate. And yeah, Lee, wrap us up, mate. What That was a, that was a good way to get us going. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really, really good podcast to kick us off. Just one thing I want to mention, um, obviously, like I said, I'm just doing kind of the same things as Andy is doing the TV previews and winners and losers at the minute, keeping the ball rolling for our regular content. But just want to point you towards our pinned tweet on our Twitter account for, at Fulton Yard CFB. We've teamed up with ESPN player. Uh, by the time this comes out, you'll only have a day or so to enter. It's closed on Wednesday evening, the 8th of September. All you need to do is go to the pinned tweet, follow... Um, us and follow ESPN player and retweet the tweet and then you've got a chance to win a 12-month subscription so if you're struggling for somewhere to watch all your college football and have it all under one roof then you need ESPN player so yeah just want to shout that out our competition go over there give us a follow give them a follow and retweet the tweet but that's everything for this week Um, it's been a really fun podcast if we have the uh, same lineup next week I don't know if we will but I'm sure we'll get some Pats versus Finns banter and uh, and everything else that comes with it so yeah thanks for listening and uh, yeah we'll see you next time Thank you so much for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards. Thank you for tuning in to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We have great information and some great content for you guys. Keep on flying that flag.